0: things been?
1: Things are good. Things are crazy busy. I'm preparing for two, well, one major Photoshop presentation, which I can't talk about yet. And another smaller one that I'm actually confirmed for here in Boulder, actually on August 4th. If anyone's in the Boulder area, I will be presenting a workflow between Photoshop and Lightroom at one of the public libraries in Boulder. You can check that out on meetup.com.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Do you have a lot of people that have RSVP'd for it
1: yet? We just put it up today. Uh, Usually I think, you know, 10 to 20 people RSVP. It's usually not very big, which is nice because I don't Mm -hmm. do very many live presentations. So I'll start small and prepare for this very, very large one I'm gonna be doing uh, at some point in the, at some point this year.
0: That's pretty cool. And I saw that you went to some kind of Photoshop meetup the other day as well. I did, did, yeah. How did that go?
1: uh, Good, Uh, Paul Tranny was running the presentation. He kind of demoed some of the new features in Photoshop and Dreamweaver and a bunch of things. Also some 3D workflows, which is kind of cool because I don't do too much of the 3D stuff in Photoshop. Um, If you're not familiar with Paul Trani, he works for Adobe, he's one of the evangelists, and he actually lives in Denver. So he was in town this weekend or this week. And we went up there to Denver or down there, I should say. And there were about 40 people. Maybe a bit less, but it was a nice small crowd. And, you know, Paul and I have been friends for a while, so it was nice to catch up with him.
0: Yeah, with the smaller crowds, you kind of get to know the people who are there. That's true. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I've been I've been trying to crush it, man, with content, content, content. Been trying to put out more tutorials, articles, all that stuff, working on a ton of different uh, video series, which as they begin to come out, you'll kind of see what they are. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm just realizing I am turning into an old curmudgeon i'm 25 years old and i i i feel like i'm pretty optimistic about a lot of things but i also feel like i'm very pessimistic about other things i am like
1: totally the same way
0: what am i going to be like when i'm 65 that's i sit here and wonder sometimes what am i going to be like when i'm 65 today i was in the basement of a courthouse waiting outside a jail cell block
1: i don't even want to know for
0: for some fingerprinting for a background check for a particular situation, I'm not going to prison, not even close. It has nothing to do with me going to prison, I promise, or any kind of illicit, illegal behavior. But I was sitting there waiting for the sheriff to come take care of this fingerprinting job, and I'm I'm sitting there. They're bringing criminals in, handcuffs, you know, a whole nine yards. Some guy came in and picked somebody up who was you know thrown in the cooler overnight or whatever. And after an hour of waiting, I start looking up at the video camera and, you know, whistling Celine Dion's, my heart will go on because it's echoing down the chambers and trying to get the guards' attention and somebody to come open a door and take care of this. I'm looking at the video camera like, I feel like a prisoner here. Uh, I'm not even staying, but I can't leave. My bail hasn't even been set. How do I get out of this place? Um, Bored out of my mind, but full of energy. And uh, just kind of generally... I want to say annoyed, but like it's the kind of annoyed where you're you're really annoyed slash frustrated, but still somehow bubbling with excitement and energy. I don't know how that works, but it was kind of one of these moments where I realized I'm going to be a ridiculously grumpy old guy when I get older. And uh, I, I I apologize to everyone in my family in the future for what I, ha- I prob- probably will become.
1: I am right there with you. I'm, I think, 28 right now, but I act like I'm th- 35, 40 years old. I don't like to go out and do things. I just like to sit at home, do my work and kind of like yell at people to get off my lawn. But actually going back to when you were talking about whistling about uh, Celine Dion's, my heart will go on actually. Was it th- last week or this week? James Horner, who was the composer for a lot of the Titanic mu- music and some other music. I don't remember. Um, he was killed in a plane crash.
0: Oh, I did. I saw this. I was not aware that he was me and my pop culture illiteracy. Uh, I did not realize that he was uh, anything of note. Obviously, every person is of note in their own peculiar way, of course, because we're all special, lovely, wonderful people and all of that. But that, uh, yeah, that kind of stinks. Anytime uh, an accident like that happens and and life is sort of ended, quote unquote, before it's supposed to, uh, it kind of sucks.
1: Yeah, I didn't really know him by name, but I obviously knew him. I knew his work. You know, I've seen Titanic. I've seen many of the other movies that I can't think of off the top of my head. But, you know, I saw on, on Twitter, I think it was, that James Horner's plane, they didn't know if it was him or not flying the plane, but his it crashed. And at first thought, I thought, oh, who's James Horner? So I looked him up and, like, oh, that that's the guy who produced all these amazing songs. So, yeah, it's kind of sad to hear about that, but.
0: Yeah. yeah, terrible. Well, anyway, moving on from that if we haven't lost you yet. Uh, this is episode 20, the Big Two O. We've made it sure 20 episodes, is. which is awesome, uh, of the We Geeks podcast. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We always enjoy having your company. And uh, we're really digging the viewership or listenership, whatever you would say. Seems to be going up and up and up. Engagement seems to be going up and up and up and up. Uh, and it's it, the podcast is headed in a very, very good direction, only 20 episodes in. Uh, it's, it's positive stuff, much better than any of the other podcasts that we've tried to start in the past. So that's... That's a
1: positive. This is very true. And it's going so well that SoundCloud has actually given us the ability to add a banner at the top of our page, which uh, apparently most SoundCloud uh, accounts do not have that ability. So that's kind of nice.
0: Yeah, well, that's hey, that's how you know you've made it.
1: Of course. You've got a banner.
0: <laughs> so you can follow either of us on Twitter. I am at tutvid, that's T-U-T-V-I-D, or you can follow Howard at Ice Flow Studios. You can figure out the spelling. yourself
1: (laughs) and speaking of SoundCloud you can actually follow us on SoundCloud but even cooler than that is you can comment along with our podcast so whatever we're talking about you can comment in line we can see those comments we don't get a lot of comments on SoundCloud I would like to see more because I love responding to comments and hearing people's thoughts you know if we're going too long or if we say something stupid just you know head over to SoundCloud listen to it there and comment in line we're also on iTunes and every single week we If there are any reviews, we do read the reviews. And this week, actually, we got a few of them. Some of them are actually two weeks old, I think, or three weeks old. I guess iTunes doesn't update the reviews right away. So anyways, let's read off. We have five, I believe. The first one is from June 14th from J. Dodd 13 and he says, Apparently Howard and Nathaniel have some sort of window into my brain. It's just the two of them discussing topics of the week, but for some reason they choose to discuss exactly what I am interested in.
0: Well, that's probably a good thing. And yes, the window into your brain. (laughs) That's right. It's there.
1: (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) Next one is from Caleb Surface, who actually tweets us quite often, and I believe he's a patron of ours. What up, Caleb? We'll check that in a second. Um, and he says, I love that this podcast covers so many different areas of media and technology. It hits all the right spots for me, and it is sometimes that I look forward. I think he mean, oh, something. I, I can't read. It's something that he looks forward to each week. I can't get enough of it. So thank you, Caleb. Go, Caleb. Next one is from M- Fogs. I don't know what that means, but NP Fogs, this podcast is completely relevant to all the things I like to geek out about, photography, video, gadgets, etc. Great job. Awesome. And the last one from the US iTunes store is from V like the letter. There you go. It's an original name. Uh, I caught on pretty late, but I've been binge casting. I like that word, binge casting ever since. Great stuff all around. Thank you, V, like the letter. And our final review is actually from the UK or Great Britain, somewhere around there, from Po Ho Fo Show. (laughs) There you go. I love listening to the We Geeks podcast. The guys provide gritty, unbiased thoughts on lots of different techie subjects. There's a fantastic balance of wry humor and serious critique of new products and services. Keep up the great work, Nathaniel and Howard.
0: That's an awesome review too. I like that. It is. I, I like that. these I like reviews. That, that that wry sense of humor mixed with seriousness. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's nice. So thank you for of all
1: of your reviews. If you are a uh, iTunes listener, head over there, give us a review. Even if it's not a written review, hit that five star or four star or one star if you don't like us. Um, every every little review helps.
0: Yeah, it's all super cool, and anything that we talk about in the podcast, you can check it out on my website, that's tutvid.com, specifically tutvid.com slash wegeeks slash episode 20. That's the number 20.
1: Indeed. Now, before we jump into the news, very quickly, we do want to thank our Patreon supporters, and we have a new one this week. So, going down the list, we have Michael Williamson, Caleb Surface, who sent us a great review on iTunes, Genevieve, Jordan, and our brand new patron, Craig Jones, who also has been communicating with us on Twitter. He seems like a really nice guy. So thank you, all of you, for your Patreon support. It does help the podcast tremendously. And eventually, we might be able to do two of these per week if we get enough support. So if you do love the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash WeGeeks.
0: And as a side note, I love the name Genevieve.
1: If Isn't I think that's kind of do- cool?
0: If I have a daughter, I'm pretty sure... One of my daughters will be named that.
1: I'm holding uh, you to that.
0: <laughs> uh, so anyway, oh, and stay tuned because at the end of the podcast every week, we do a weekly winner and loser of the week, which you should definitely stay tuned because it's kind of where we can get controversial and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what we call Quick Six, where I grill Howard, or Howard grills me for six quick this or that kind of questions. So that's coming at the end. All right, so to kick things off for this week, uh, we have a pretty cool uh, article, really, video that I ran into over on f-stoppers earlier this week uh, showcasing the ridiculous zoom range of the Nikon P900 uh, camera. It's not a camera that's going to you know blow you out of the water as far as quality and everything like that, but you've got to check out this video. It is ridiculous. I can't even... I don't want to overstress how like crazy the video is but it's kind of wild when you're watching this video and the camera zoomed in and it starts to zoom out and then it almost seems like it never stops zooming out
1: yeah I took a look at this a while ago and it focuses on this tractor thing I don't know what you call it a pitch I don't know I'm gonna say it's Ex- excavator it looks okay. like a tractor transformer whatever it might be and then like you said it just starts zooming out And it zooms out and zooms out. And by the time it finishes, the tractor's like this tiny little thing you can't even see. It's crazy. Um, And apparently, it's about 24 to 2000. That's the range of the lens. Now, when I'm looking at the video, when it it's at its maximum zoom. It almost looks like it's a digital zoom. Do you know if it is, or is it actually optical? I,
0: I don't think it is. I think the the fuzziness you're seeing is that mirage, that ground haze, that heat haze coming up off the ground that distorts an image that you would see far away. That's crazy. Um, I don't I don't think it's a digital zoom. It looks like a 24 to 2,000 millimeter, which. Would seem to indicate it's an optical zoom because usually a digital zoom would be like eight x digital zoom. Do you know what I mean? Your optical zoom is right. typically measured in that that millimeter focal length. Uh, so I don't think it's I don't think it's digital zoom. Uh, pretty remarkable. Nothing that's gonna make me want to go out and buy the camera because it's not really me. But it's more just impressive to see. Whatever it is, the little thirty-second video, um, and just see that again. The link for that is over on uh, tutvid.com. Yeah, it's, uh, it's
1: these sorts of cameras that I would love to get my, or I guess it's more more of a lens. Um, I would love to get my whole my hands on a twenty-four to two thousand millimeter lens. I think that'd be, and that would allow me to get some crazy shots. Of course, you would probably need a very steady tripod. Um, but if you're somewhere like in Yosemite, for example, th- this sort of lens would be absolutely. Ridiculous! You'd be able to zoom in on a bird that's on top of the Half Dome or something like that. And actually, speaking of the Half Dome, a photographer who's actually working at a Glacier National Park was able to capture this crazy photo. At first glance, you can check this out at Grind TV and Nathaniel will have a link in his blog post on tutvid.com. At first glance, it looks like the Half Dome at Yosemite is burning on fire, but actually it's a cloud and there's some sort of like optical illusion where I guess the sun is setting and the cloud, the cloud looks like it's like bright yellow and orange. And some of the other clouds that are not being affected by the sun are just like gray. So it looks like smoke. And you know, I can almost guarantee you if you show this picture to a hundred people, 98 of them will say, what is going on? Why is this mountain on fire? It's a really cool photo. Cause it kind of shows another side of things. You, you think one thing or you're like completely convinced it's one thing, but then on the other hand, you hear a story about how it's actually taken and what it actually is. Um, it's actually really cool. You should check that out.
0: Yeah. When I first saw the photo, um, I, well, I'm sorry. When I first saw the headline, I thought it was, you know, Oh, okay. Here's one of these dumb, you know, just clickbait things, but it, you still click on it cause it's clickbait of course. Not, and I'm a hungry fish. So <laughs> I'm going to click on it. Uh, so you click on it and you, you see it. And when I saw it, it was sort of like, wow, I mean, it's it's a pretty cool photo, and you can definitely see this like optical illusion of fire. The sun is just lighting up this cloud from the backside, um, and yeah, it's, it's a really, really cool photo, definitely uh, a great photo, and there are a lot of great photos of Yellowstone, or I'm sorry, uh, Yosemite, um, but one of the things that makes a photo like this stand out is just that unique, that moment that, that uh, you know, I, I forget who it was, I think it was... Uh, Uh, I can't remember his name, Bob Gruen or something that said, uh, a good photograph captures the facts of the moment, but a great photograph captures the feelings of the moment. Uh. I might be par- I might be paraphrasing a little bit, and this photo has a little bit of that because it kind of makes you go like, "Whoa, okay, that's pretty cool." You know, it's not just the mountain uh, that I've seen a hundred thousand times. Uh, it's not just the mountain that uh, you know Ansel Adams brought us in the iconic black and white photo of the Half Dome. Uh, but there's something a little different about it. It's kind of cool. Um, and, Have you ever uh, been to Yosemite? I've never been to Yosemite. Oh, yeah. I've I've been to California. I've never been to Yosemite. I've been to Yellowstone. I've been to the Grand Tetons. I've been to. Th- the Rocky Mountains, the Tooth Mountains. I've been to a ton of different national parks. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I've never been to Yosemite. Probably two of the biggest national parks that I, I have yet to go to. I've been to the Everglades, Mount Rushmore, you name it. Um, but those two I haven't. At Zion National Park, I could probably throw in there as well as another big park that I would love to go to that I've never been to. But anyway.
1: Well, until then, uh, Google is actually letting you kind of explore Yosemite a little bit. Did you see this?
0: Yes, I did. I actually – I didn't even see this on a news site. It was just opening up Google Chrome and they have kind of sometimes a link down at the bottom I'm like, hey, check this out. And it was sort of Google Maps in Yosemite, scaling of all things El Capitan, uh, which is pretty cool because it almost seems like uh, – it is El Capitan, right, that they're scaling I believe. I believe so, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's crazy because I mean there's a little bit of the you know whole Google versus Apple thing and there's – there's a connection. It's not just coincidence. Of course there is. <laughs> um, but it's pretty cool. It's not it, – it is very – it's it's a bit like the Google Street View, mm-hmm. um, but you're on the side of a cliff. Um, but it's more like you select a point on the face of El Capitan, which by the way is like 3,000 feet tall, that you, you select a point and you go to that point and then you can look around. Um, it's pretty cool. It looks very – uh, it's it's different than Street View in terms of the quality of the image and the quality of the stitch and the seamlessness of the 360-degree image. Really, the first thing I thought when I saw it was, whoa, this is this is kind of like heading down that virtual reality road that we've been talking about for a little <laughs> oh, you while.
1: Oh, you know it's going to come to virtual reality. Well,
0: absolutely. And that's part of what I think is so stinking cool about it. Um, but it's definitely – there's a different – Vibe. There's a different feeling. There's a different quality feeling to this particular uh, Google Maps endeavor than the typical traditional Google Street View that we all know and that we all love. Uh, Really definitely cool. We're going to link it. You got to check it out. It's pretty stinking cool.
1: Yeah, and, and I can almost guarantee you Google or some other company is going to start sending people up mountains and up to all these places with 360-degree cameras strapped on their head. And at some point, we're all going to have virtual reality headsets, and we're going to watch this stuff, and we're going to throw up all over the place.
0: Yeah, I mean, and how long until – right now we've got the Google Street View car, but are mm-hmm. we going to get a Google Street View airplane or helicopter crew You know, what I mean, that can fly over major cities so you can sort of check out cities from the sky like that? That would be kind of cool. It would be. Yeah. So, anyway. Oh, the the images from space.
1: Oh, yes. I, I was going to mention that, but I didn't have it in my notes. Um, it kind of reminded me that recently, because it's kind of like new image technology that we really haven't seen before we've all seen satellite images of space I mean it's on our phones it's in Google Maps Apple Maps but they're typically still images and actually last week I don't have a link to it I just thought of it right before we started recording last week some company who has a satellite in space or something like that they released the first at least I believe it's the first video from a satellite in space pointed down you can actually see cars driving along but what's really weird about this video is that you can see buildings that are swaying and I don't know if it's because it's like a time lapse or I know buildings sway naturally because they're built that way so they don't like crumble in earthquakes but it's just very strange seeing these buildings move even though they're really not moving that much and when you're on the ground looking at a building typically you don't see it move unless you're right underneath it and you kind of see it swaying but in this video and we'll try and find a link to put in the blog post it's it's very strange. You've, I mean, I've never seen something like this, and I was it, 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 it weird.
0: Yeah, the quality is not quite where I was hoping based on uh, my initial expectations, but mm-hmm. it's still HD video being beamed back from outer space. And like you said, yeah, it was. It was interesting. I would describe it as interesting. It was pretty cool, pretty interesting.
1: Actually, one last thing, and I'll make this very quick. Um, In in just a few weeks, I think on July 14th, we will finally see what Pluto looks like. Uh, Until now, it's all been speculation and artist conceptions and uh, whatever they're called, uh, renderings. Uh, But finally, New Horizons will arrive at Pluto in just a few weeks, and we will have actual HD images from more than 3 billion miles away which is absolutely insane. That one, we can send something to Pluto 3 billion miles away and two, transfer photos back from 3 billion miles. Uh, One very last quick thing about this because I'm a space nerd. I love this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, In order for these pictures to be taken, NASA and New Horizons has a 30 second window. Once it travels 3 billion miles and gets to Pluto, it has 30 seconds to navigate through, I think, Pluto and one of its moons. Otherwise, if they miss that window, then some, it crashes or something like that. Um, and I think it's insane that over 9 years and 3 billion miles, they can calculate this thing within a 30-second window. I think it's just crazy. Yeah,
0: so you better not hit the snooze button on your alarm clock when the engineer <laughs> wake it up to take care of that because you'll be in trouble. Now, what if they take a picture and it's just a giant orange dog with floppy, floppy ears?
1: That would be hilarious.
0: Uh, anyway, so moving on. Speaking of powerful computers, uh, there are faster computers coming soon And as graphics chips uh, answer this call to action, I'm reading a CNET headline. Uh, So I'm going to read you a quick bit here that I've written. At one time, speed and performance upgrades seem to be almost taken for granted as large computer companies seem to release newer and more powerful technology several times a year or more. Uh, but eventually all that performance driving goodness was consuming so much power and producing so much physical, actual heat you know, coming out of your computer, etc. Uh, the things had to be slowed down a little. There aren't these huge uh, upgrades in processing power and RAM allotment and all of this that we were seeing uh, happening so quickly there for a number of years. It was really jumping. Uh, but now both Apple and Microsoft will be releasing software which is going to be much more efficient in dealing with your typical you know, chipsets that you have in hardware uh, in a computer which is going to boost graphical performance uh, yet again we can expect to see the software in windows 10 and apple's el capitan os in the coming months we talked about a couple weeks ago apple's uh, metal coming out of wwdc which has been in use for a little while uh, on some ios devices or i guess all ios devices correct if i'm if i'm thinking about that right
1: uh it might be most of the recent ios devices. i think something like an iphone 4 i prob- probably probably doesn't really um take advantage of that
0: yeah, yeah, that would sound correct. Now, Microsoft says that quote developers will be able to create things like bigger maps, improved performance and graphics, and bigger multiplayer environments stretching across presumably multiple devices. Unquote. So that basically, pro- uh, programmers are going to be able to take advantage of these new capabilities. you Are going to be able to add more depth to the games, uh, like like they said, larger maps, larger areas to explore, or maybe even take advantage of the expanded power to sort of scale not scale games back, but kind of leave the game where it is, but kind of condense it a little bit so as not to use as much computing power and therefore let's say if you're running a game on an iPad or a uh, any kind of portable device or you know laptop phone anything you scale the game back use less resources you're going to use a little bit less battery hence making it more attractive to play the game or just get more playtime out of uh, the typical game. So pretty cool stuff uh, and neat to see that kind of the advancement looks like it's a little bit more software-oriented than hardware-oriented, which kind of we've seen a little bit in the camera world with some of the sensor stacking stuff um, and some of the kind of post Shot. Not. I, mean, I guess it is technically post-production, but where these cameras, sensors, and software are able to stack different images to create additional depth, uh, whereas traditionally you would physically get that depth through the sensor that you used in the camera, uh, much in the same way we're getting advanced, deeper uh, power, I guess you could say, out of your computer uh, with the way that the software is communicating with the, the chipsets and the computer hardware.
1: Yeah, and it's really nice to see that actually... Uh Operating systems like OS 10 and Windows are starting to take advantage of the GPU because until, well, until now, uh, software had to basically be written in such a way that it took advantage of the GPU. You know, for example, I in my Mac Pro, I think I have two, three gigabyte cards, but very few applications are actually able to take advantage of that and it's just basically wasted resources. Now recently Photoshop and Illustrator and After Effects started to take advantage of the GPU and also Lightroom as well and because of that, Illustrator now has 10 times the performance as it did before um, and that's all because it's finally taking advantage of this resource that's in your computer, that's real, for a lot of people, that resource has always been there, but it's never actually been taken advantage of. But now that Apple and Microsoft are allowing the whole operating system to take advantage of the GPU, I think that, I mean, like you said, it's going to boost performance like crazy, and I think that's just the way to go.
0: Yeah, and I mean it, it. Definitely makes sense. I mean, Adobe. I think Adobe was kind of one dimension at first, right? About the these huge speed upgrades that were coming to like. I feel like I saw an Illustrator, like a, a graphic involving Adobe Illustrator or something, where they said, "Hey, it's going to be ten times faster." But now I can't remember if it was something that got announced at WWDC where they said things like Creative Cloud will run X number of times faster, or maybe the new Lightroom. I don't remember. Yeah, something.
1: Apple did announce that um, Adobe will be taking advantage of Metal when. El Capitan comes out. Um, but Adobe's been trying to take advantage of the GPU for quite a while. Uh, I think in CS6 or maybe CC. No, CS6, I think their 3D functionality was improved tremendously because that finally started to take advantage of the GPU. And then the Blur Gallery uses the GPU. Um, so a lot of different features within Photoshop and now Illustrator, After Effects are all taking advantage of this resource. Um, and we're going to continue to see that expand over time.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely super cool. So speaking of different kinds of expansion, um, Gmail, Google, you G- can unsend a sent email
1: now? Well, sort of. I mean, the, the word unsent is being sent around like crazy, but it's not exactly unsending an email. So several years ago, Google released this feature in their lab, which is available to some users as a beta test, Um, And it claims that you can unsend an email, but in actuality, you're basically just halting the email from actually going because once you send an email, there's absolutely no way to take that email back. So what you're able to do, and now this is available to all Gmail users, what you're able to do now is you're able to go into your Gmail settings. And you can choose from 5 seconds, 10, 20, or 30 seconds. So basically, when you're writing an email and you're ready to send it, you hit that send button. That timer starts to count down, whether it's 5, 10, 20, or 30 seconds. And you have up until that point that you set in your settings to hit basically a halt button, which stops the email from sending. But once it sends, it's gone. So it's not really... You're not really unsending an email, which is the big word that's going around. You're basically just stopping an email from. It kind of gives you a second chance to catch an error last minute, or kind of you know th- realize you know you know what, maybe I shouldn't send this embarrassing email because one day I might be working for the government and it may get released.
0: Yeah, well, and before we move on to, I know I, I feel what you're segueing into, but before we get oh. to that, um, it's a little bit more than a a, a envision as a holding tank into which an email will sit for let's say thirty seconds uh, before it gets sent, and then if you stop the email, it it doesn't just temporarily halt the email, but you can actually kill the whole email at that point if you want. Um, but if you wait beyond that, let's say thirty seconds you're done. So I I see this as something that'd be good if you forget to send an attachment or something. I do that every once in a while. Usually I've gotten into the habit of just saying the file is attached because Gmail, for instance, is smart enough to say, hey, you use the word attached, but you didn't attach anything. Um, But there's still times when I go through and I forget to attach stuff. So that would be cool because I do usually catch that stuff within 30 seconds. Then there's a follow-up email saying, oh, I'm an idiot. Here's the attached file. <laughs> I've done that but, many times. Yeah, as you were saying, I'm sure many government employees do wish they had this feature. Why, Howard?
1: Well, several weeks ago, I think, was it last week or the week before? My loser of the week was basically the whole U.S. government because it was reported that several million, I think the number was around 4 million, Government employees were hacked and it was rumored that the Chinese are behind it, but of course nothing is official I'm sure there's crazy investigations going on with every department on the apps and the government Um, So it was reported that just a few million government employees were hacked but now we're hearing that that number could be well over 18 million and but what makes this worse is that apparently it includes humiliating polygraph tests past abuses, debts, and sexual fetishes. And this is all information going back 30 years from some government employees' lives, sending emails and having documents on their computer and everything. And actually, there's a Reddit post where someone who apparently either worked for the government or worked for some department that was part of this hack, he wrote that he received an email probably some from someone very higher up and it basically says that this was discovered while aggressively upgrading our systems to best protect you so it kind of spins it in a way that they're they're trying to make it seem like yeah we're doing a very good thing by uh sending you these emails and um you know protecting you but i guess they didn't really kind of take into consideration that 18 million government employees now have some potentially very embarrassing and personal emails or documents that are in the hands of rumored to be the Chinese who can use that. Uh, I don't even know what they can do with that, but it's, it won't be good.
0: They can write nasty letters. I mean, <laughs> sure debts, past abuses, humiliating polygraph tests, embarrassing emails. I, it shouldn't surprise anyone. Politics. I mean, that's, that's obviously
1: – that's true. But that's obviously on top of like social security numbers and very, very right. personal information. So yeah. it's just an absolute mess. Uh, I mean, I'm just glad I don't work for the government.
0: Yeah, well, that me too. For, for many yeah, reasons. Yeah, I was going to say for a, for a lot of other reasons too. But yeah, so anyway, uh, getting back to kind of some of the computer stuff, um, Lenovo has unveiled a $130 PC on a stick. And before you say anything, no, that's not an ice cream treat. It's actually a legitimate like USB uh, jump drive size computer. Just instead of a USB port, it's got an HDMI port. And essentially, can you
1: order? Can you order like different? Can you customize the USB? Because there's this like really cool USB stick that looks like a dog that humps your computer. <laughs> I want my computer, $130 PC on that. Can I do, that?
0: <laughs> I do. You know what? You maybe you could. I don't know. Uh, but basically, you take this thing, you plug it into any device. Like I could, you could plug it in the back of your Samsung monitor, Howard. You've got an HDMI port, right? And to boom, that would connect the computer to the monitor, which is well. Pretty does neat.
1: this? Sorry to interrupt, but does this hundred and thirty dollar PC? Wh- I mean, would it even use my? Could could it use my four K monitor? Well, I, is it that powerful? I
0: highly doubt it. I'm gonna cover the specs here in a second, mm. um, but. It says you can connect to virtually, you know, any HDMI compatible screen. I've got a little field monitor that I attach to my DSLR when I'm shooting video. That's got an HDMI port. Uh, I wonder if it could. Run off of that. I would imagine it could, because all you really need to view what's going on in a computer is a screen, a way to connect to a screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, why couldn't any screen uh, display what this computer has? So that's kind of neat. Uh, it's three. It's basically four inches wide, uh, an inch and a half deep, and just over a half inch high. So, like I said, it's not all that much larger than your average USB stick. Um, it features. Uh, it's powered by an Intel Atom processor. Uh, the, the Idea Center Stick 300, which appears to be the name they're, they're giving it, uh, carries up to 2 gigabytes of memory and 32 gigabytes of onboard storage, which is pretty impressive for something that small. Uh, that's going to sound really dated, about five years. Uh, Wi-Fi <laughs> and Bluetooth 4.0 are also included for wireless connectivity. It's got one HDMI port, one micro USB 2.0 port, and one SD card reader, uh, along with one small speaker built in. Now, the sound quality is probably abysmal, but fact yeah, is, really. if you're watching a YouTube video on the go or something, you've got it. I don't know why you wouldn't use your iPhone, but hey, it's a stinking computer the size of a USB stick, uh, which is crazy. It comes with Windows 8.1. It's going to be able to be upgraded Windows 10 when Windows 10 comes out. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, they basically, they say all you need is the, the computer stick and a wireless keyboard and mouse and you're set.
1: It's pretty crazy. And you know, it's so impressive that we're able to see actual computers on a tiny little USB stick for $130. I mean, we, a few weeks ago, we spoke about my experience buying my first ever USB drive. And it was a tiny little drive, but it was, I think, 64 megabytes. And I spent almost $100 on this thing. And that was probably about 10 years ago and 10 years later we have 32 gigabytes on a little usb drive that not only has storage but also has wi-fi and a whole computer built into it and we're starting to see so much miniaturization even with something like the new macbook basically the inside of the new macbook is all battery and they have this tiny little processor this tiny little graphics card and there's little tiny things and apple used the word miniaturization so much when marketing this thing. Um, And to an extent, it's a bit of marketing, but at the same time, things are just getting so small and we're able to squeeze things into USB drives. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't really know what the practical application of this Lenovo PC on a stick is going to be. I don't really see it taking off because it's, Freaking Lenovo, you know what I mean, and I would, I would almost feel embarrassed to sit there with a Lenovo logo on the back of my laptop. But whatever. Um, but it's yeah, it is more of like a technological marvel. Just you know, if for nothing else, it's a computer and a stick. You can stick it in your pocket. I mean, you know, this, this, this. A computer capable of what this is capable of, you know, could be purchased at Walmart 10 years ago for several hundred dollars, and it was the size of, you know, a a typical desktop tower. Uh, So it's just really cool, really kind of impressive.
1: Um, Yeah, and you know, maybe one day we'll have enough power in these tiny little USB drives, you know, maybe not as much power as a Mac Pro, but as much power as, you know, a MacBook or a MacBook Pro or whatever it might be that we can... Literally, just grab this thing, put it in our pocket, go to another, go to someone's house or go to your school or whatever, plug it in and just continue working just like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Speaking of things that are kind of cool that a lot of people may not use, I mean, some people may not use. I definitely won't. Microsoft has finally released their Office suite on. Android, but what's really cool about this is they're completely free. I believe the iOS apps are free as well, but mm. now they're finally coming to Android. It's been a while well, since they've been iOS. They, yep. they,
0: they did come to Android tablets a couple months ago and they were free, but it didn't come to like Android smartphones specifically, right, right. which was a little yes. strange, but now they're here.
1: Yeah, and um, it, it appears that Microsoft is hoping that users purchase a 360 subscription. So it's kind of like the Adobe stuff where it's like the creative cloud. You can kind of subscribe on a monthly basis to get the full suite of cloud computing file sharing with these apps. Um, I don't, well, I have an Android device, but I don't use it much. I just have it kind of for business and it's kind of in a drawer somewhere. Um, but it is nice that Microsoft is finally kind of branching out and bringing their, their office suite to other devices
0: yeah I mean it's cool I I don't know that I would ever use it I honestly I've gotten so far away from using Microsoft Office apps as I've delved more into um, all of the Google Docs and and the power of that um, that I just you know I don't think I would even use it um, so I don't know I don't really have too too much to say about it it looks like the that they're gonna be partnering with a, a bunch of different device manufacturing companies to basically have office and Skype, which is owned by Microsoft um, or run by Microsoft, whatever. It pre-installed on all these devices, uh, which I guess is cool. Um, and there are a lot of people who still use Microsoft Office who have always used it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to see it. and it's awesome that it's free. Um, yeah, I don't have a huge amount to say about it, but yeah, it's cool.
1: Awesome. Uh, next is kind of interesting and I'm not exactly sure what to think of this. I think I linked it the other day on Twitter or something like that. Lexus. I'm sure many of you have seen this cuz this video is going around like wildfire. Lexus has been teasing this I mean it looks like a hoverboard. They're calling it a hoverboard. Um and they're claiming it's a fully functional hoverboard. You know, you know in Back to the Future where Marty McFly jumps on this board, looks like a skateboard that's literally hovering above the ground, he's able to ride around on it. Lexus thinks they're going to actually release one of these things. Now A few, was it last year, I think it was, there was this Kickstarter campaign where this company showed off what they claimed to be a working hoverboard as well. And they actually did show somebody on this thing, but it was this very big board and requires the board to be hovering over top of a metal surface. And like you were saying before this podcast, Nathaniel, you definitely don't have any metal surfaces or metal metal floors in your house. I don't. Uh, you walk outside, there's no metal floors. Um, but the interesting thing about this video that Lexus is teasing is that it looks like it's hovering over top of concrete in some sort of like a skate park. Now, towards the end of the video, after they show what looks to be an absolutely gorgeous looking hoverboard that's... Actually, floating, or at least we think it is. Um, it looks like somebody is going to step on this thing and then they cut the video. Yeah.
0: Um, disappointing.
1: So, very disappointing. So, either one of two things one, it doesn't work, which is likely, um, or two, they're trying to kind of build up some hype for the big announcement. Now, they are saying Lexus is apparently going to be revealing more details on October 21st. 2015. And if you're familiar with Back to the Future, October 21st, 2015 is the day that Doc, Marty, and his girlfriend travel to in Back to the Future. So, I mean, maybe Lexus is kind of building up this hype and then on October 21st, they're going to release this thing or actually show it in action or whatever it might be. All I'm saying is if this thing is real, if a hoverboard actually gets released, first of all, it's going to be crazy expensive. But it's going to be insane, especially considering that Back to the Future had a cover board in October 21st, 2015. I think that would be crazy. Um, I'm still very skeptical because in order for a board like that to be able to hover above the ground, I mean, that alone isn't necessarily technologically impossible or difficult to do. But to support somebody's weight, even like you know a small woman at about 100 pounds, 90 pounds, whatever she might be, it's still probably very difficult, um, but hey, if Lexus can figure this out, I'm going to be incredibly, uh, not only impressed, but probably broke.
0: Yes. I. I <laughs> yes. I, I, well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate my thoughts. I, would Lexus put out a video like this and potentially damage their reputation with stupid clickbait? Uh, this uh, a video on YouTube showing off a hoverboard is not going to sell more cars, is it? I don't think. See, that, that's, I mean, that's
1: another thing that kind of went through my mind. I mean, Lexus really doesn't benefit from this unless they're actually going to release. Right? This thing. Unless of course, it's a if real it's a Kickstarter campaign with a bunch of nobodies, they can grab the money and run, and no one really know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lexus, I mean. We all know Lexus. Lex it's a huge company, multi-billion dollar company. I have to imagine there's some merit behind it, but again, very skeptical.
0: Right, and I would hate for it to come out. I have heard it referred to as a maglev hoverboard, which mm, seems yeah. to indicate magnetic levitation, right? Unless I'm I mean, I'm no scientist, I'm no a railroad civil engineer, um so I may be just totally confusing my terms, which is very possible. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I I would love to see it, and I feel like I would have to buy one, but how disappointing would it be when in the video you see a guy skateboarding over what looks and sounds like macadam, gravel, you know, typical paved road, and then he goes and he steps on a hoverboard, which appears to be on the same surface, i.e. not a metal surface, and uh, it's something where you have to have a specific rail installed, or you need a metal floor, or, you know, something ridiculous like that. Uh, It would just be kind of disappointing. It it would feel very clickbait-y. Um, and again, from just like a, a, a social media marketing and a general marketing standpoint, I don't see what Lexus would have to gain from something like that. If it's not really an impressive piece of technology, they're going to show off on October 21st, 2015. They've done nothing but set themselves up for failure and disappointment. I don't see. I don't yeah, see I- any two ways about it.
1: I completely agree. And I just thought of something and there's no way I'd be able to find it by the end of this podcast. I shared something on Facebook probably many months ago, maybe even last year. There was this Israeli scientist who I don't remember the exact um, what he used. Some, uh, it might have been like liquid nitrogen or something. He was able to use this very scientific material or liquid or something like that. And he was able to demonstrate um, levitation using basically any surface and this object that was powered by, I think it was liquid nitrogen. Um, I mean, maybe it uses something like that. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I I, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I can't even wrap my mind around what could possibly make this levitate and support a human weight other than crazy... high-powered magnets, which would be very disappointed, like you said, because that other Kickstarter campaign required you to have a magnetic surface, which really doesn't exist anywhere.
0: Well, and it does raise the question, because we think about all these personal devices as something you plug in and charge. You know, you, you get the power for the device that you're using by plugging it in and charging it. So is this going to be something where you have, have, you know, dry ice shipped in or you know, liquid nitrogen flown in so you can have fuel for your hoverboard? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Uh, what What's going to be the – what's the fuel? Is it just electric? Is it just magnets? I mean part of the beauty of magnets is it's just a magnet and it just is. Uh, but if you need liquid nitrogen, that's another thing. How do you get liquid nitrogen? Where do I get it from? Is it something you plug in? How could electric possibly power something like that? I don't know, but I guess that's part of the intrigue. That's part of seeing, does this thing really legitimately work, like Lexus is saying, or or, or not saying, but implying.
1: That's true. They and, haven't actually showed anything yet. Right. They just showed uh, the hoverboard floating, which, again, isn't very difficult, but they haven't shown an actual human being standing on this
0: thing. Right. And, again, you can check out the video over at tutfit.com slash slash episode 20. You can check that out. But, anyway, moving on to the next story. This is kind of a funny story. I don't know whether not to laugh or cry. Um, Family threatened after photo shoot on train tracks. Uh, This was an article on Petapixel earlier in the week. Uh, They they were capturing sort of these fake dramatic photos of a a father dressed as Batman and a son dressed as, I'm assuming it was Robin, uh, rescuing the mother who was tied, fake tied, to the railroad tracks. Uh, And the kid is... I don't know, two years old, three years old. I don't know. He's very young looking at the photos. Uh, and his family, his family in Wisconsin, they say they've received death threats uh, after releasing these photos and, and these things came out. Now, this is all in light of over the past little while. There have been a number of articles that come out. People have been killed and injured severely doing photo shoots on railroad tracks. It's, in fact, illegal in some areas. Uh, it's It's not a good idea. But uh, And the photos, uh, just a, a quick critique on the photos, they're actually not terrible. They're not really my style, a little heavy on the vignette, um, but they're not awful. Uh, you know, people are saying, hey, look, you're putting your family in danger for some photos. How dare you do this? But to get a death threat over putting your family in danger of presumably death is about the most idiotic thing I think I've ever heard. How, how stupid, how stupid is that? Um, that's pretty dumb. Uh, is it smart? No, it's dumb. It's dumb to go on the railroad tracks and shoot photos. Uh, that being said, uh, it's easy for me to say that because railroads are such an overused cliche that more than likely you're going to get terrible photos. Uh, if it's something very dangerous, and you're going to get great photos. In my mind, I say go for it. Uh, because that's just the way I am, and that's the decision I'm going to make. Um, but, I mean, give me a break. I mean, leave the leave the stinking family alone. Uh, they've come out and said they're not planning to do any more photo shoots on train tracks. Oh, well, that's great, because mommy and daddy of the internet came and spanked you really badly, didn't they? You know, I, mean, I love
1: the line that says, The family says they were never aware of how dangerous the idea was. Um, now, I don't see anywhere in this article that whether it mentions if the train tracks were actually being used or not. I mean, I guess Um,
0: it's it's like, you know, pointing an unloaded gun at somebody. You should always treat it like it's loaded. You just don't screw around with stuff like that. But, I mean, like you're laying on the railroad tracks, you're around them. If you've ever been remotely close to railroad tracks when trains are ripping through, we're not talking about, you know, the Japanese Shinkansen. We're not talking about a French TGV where it's going 200 miles an hour. Most commuter trains in America are going like 50 to 60 miles an hour, and they rumble a lot you can feel it coming from a long ways away. Again, yeah. that being said, I would never condone this kind of behavior. It's not something where I'm like, go out and take photos on railroad tracks. But I'm saying that because you're going to get terrible photos doing that, not because it's dangerous behavior. But yeah, it's dumb. It, it, was, a, it was a dumb decision, but to get a bunch of death threats, that's it, that's beyond stupid.
1: Yeah, I never understood death threats. I mean, I've gotten them so, I've gotten so many death threats, just being a YouTuber, especially around the time when Adobe first released The Creative Cloud. I can't even tell you how many literal death threats I received because I su- I liked the idea. I mean, I didn't completely like the idea. There were some things that I didn't really like about The Creative Cloud, but for the most part, I supported it because I liked what Adobe was saying about the future of The Creative Cloud. Mm-hmm. And my inbox and my comment section on those videos was just filled with people saying I should kill myself and I hope you die. If I ever see you, I'm going to beat the living daylights out of you. And it's like, what? I mean, why?
0: A creative cloud, that's why. I mean, have you have you heard of a thing more radical, more controversial, more... You get where I'm going. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's just those kind of stories. They kind of just... There, there's a part of me that just makes me shake my head and say, you know, just like, let the people be, you know, it's... It, it, can we not sort of teach people a lesson and you can be tough about it and you can be cynical about it and you can be even somewhat deprecating about it but at the end of the day just walking in when somebody asks you your opinion on something and says you know you turn to him and you say well you're just an idiot or that's stupid or you take it to the point where I'm going to kill you like just stop it's not productive just stop yeah right so anyway talking about productivity Nikon rumors this week was talking about a new Nikon D5. So Nikon's oh. like flagship the big grand poobah of the Nikon DSLRs is the D4 was the D3 before that, then the D3x and the D4. And I believe they haven't put out a D4x. I think there's like a D4s is what it's called if I recall correctly. Um, we we're still waiting for a D5 or a D4x, excuse me. but it looks like Nikon is rumoring a D5, which is a 20 megapixel camera that shoots four video. That's what I like to hear. And I believe it is also rumored, shoots 4K video at both 24 and 30 frames per second. This is not like some GoPro Hero 3 shoots 4K at 10 frames per second nonsense. It looks like it's a legitimate 4K. And knowing Nikon, the sensors are pretty great when it comes to depth of field. I've never used a Nikon for video, um, but I know some people who have. uh, And they're really not all that bad. In fact, I shouldn't even say it like that. They're not bad at all. Uh, So some of the specs, 20 megapixel FX, sensor ISO, native ISO that is, that's important because this is not expanded ISO. Native ISO up to 102,400. I believe the native ISO on the current D4 is like 24,000 and something, and it can expand up well above 200,000. So one can only imagine how far the native ISO of 102,400 can expand. 173 autofocus points. 15 frames per second shooting, Uh, that's in the still photos, that is. Uh, It's expected to be released late 2015 or early 2016. Uh, One of the things that I couldn't find out about this card, I wanted to know... Number one, the memory card situation, because 20 megapixels uh, of image data at 15 frames per second, you need a ridiculously fast card to write that. So is this Mm going to be a card that converts and is those CFast cards that I think we've talked about before with regard to some of this 4K shooting? Uh, I would have loved to see something about that. I didn't see anything about that, um, but it looks like a pretty kick-butt camera. Um, and it'll be Nikon's first DSLR that shoots in 4K, so that's crazy, and yeah, I mean, like, we've talked about Sony and Panasonic and these other camera manufacturers that seem to be taking this 4K video to a, a point that can't, neither Canon nor Nikon have been ready to take it yet. Um, now, I believe the Canon 5D Mark IV that we've alluded to in the past is supposed to come out sometime around August 2015. Canon seems like they're always pushing it out uh, with the Mark 234 series. Um, when it comes to actually re- releasing the camera, will the Mark IV have 4K? Will it beat Nikon to the punch with regards to that? Nikon is going to have perceived Canon to uh, perceived to have beaten Canon to the punch because there are rumors out there now and you hear about the Nikon DSLR with alleged 4K video. Um, now, I guess I shouldn't say that because I have seen some rumors about the, the Canon 5D Mark IV having 4K, uh, but this looks like a pretty big deal.
1: It does and it's it's very exciting to see another camera manufacturer come into the market with 4K and DSLRs and at this point I'm not even excited at the at the least for Canon's next camera whatever it might be as a Canon user for the last 10-15 years I don't know how long I've been using Canon I am I've said this before but I am so ready to jump ship because they're just they're playing catch up and you know Nikon is on board Sony is killing it with their 4K cameras uh Panasonic I I mean the one I'm using now is a Panasonic 4K camera and even Samsung is coming out with 4K cameras and actually just this week there was a, there's a rumor going around that Samsung is going to release their nx mini 2 so last year they released the samsung nx mini mm-hmm. which was the thinnest and lightest mirrorless camera on the market with interchangeable lenses which is super cool but now this year almost a year later they're rumored to be releasing the next nx mini which they call the nx mini 2 very original yeah um, but the big feature is that it's going to shoot 4k video now it's only going to be 4k at 24 frames per second which isn't terrible yeah. i mean it's not like 10 frames per second it's still cinematic quality which is really nice um, other features are going to include a 9 millimeter f 3.5 lens with the same 20 megapixel sensor as last year's model which isn't a terrible thing. I mean, 20, most people don't really need more than 20 megapixels. Um, and again, I believe it's interchangeable lenses, just like last year's model. So if you don't like the 3.5, nine millimeter lens, you can always grab another one. Um, the thing that kind of was kind of strange to me is that the battery is actually shrinking. So it went from like a 23 milliamp hour battery to an 1800. I'm sorry, 2300 um, to an 1800 milliamp hour battery, which is kind of strange considering they're packing 4K video support in there. Um, apparently, you're able to shoot up to 400 photos with that battery. Now, what what that converts to 4K video, I have no idea. But it's interesting to see that. Samsung is getting into the 4k market just like many of the other companies these other companies and this camera is rumored to sell for around $500 so Not only are more companies getting into 4k video, but the price is going down down down.
0: Yeah It's that's insane. It's pretty cool I guess uh, in order to have that 4k video footage and still have some kind of battery, and still retain the title of the thinnest and lightest mirrorless camera, you've got to sacrifice a little bit of battery size. Uh, well, I guess with a 9mm lens, I didn't take a close look at the NX Mini 2. Um, I'm assuming it's a micro four-thirds camera, if it's 9mm, because 9mm on a full frame is crazy. Um it probably is a full, and, full yeah, frame. Yeah, and, and uh, a full frame mirrorless, that would definitely be one of like the big features they're touting. Uh, so I... Yeah. I, 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 I would say it's basically a foregone conclusion that it's not a full frame camera but no that's really cool and for 500 bucks that's great um you know it's just which one of these cameras is going to be the big vlogging camera Uh, i feel like that's who kind of who they have to target our small you know small time vloggers to the big time vloggers who just need that camera that's easy to slip in their pocket carry around with them and get that 4k uh, footage that they want that they need yeah and
1: and speaking of vloggers, this camera, just like the Sam- the original Samsung NX Mini, has a screen that not only tilts, but also flips around so you can see yourself if you're holding the camera facing you. So, I mean, if for a-, a very small, thin camera that's incredibly light, shoots 4K video, and has a screen that flips out so you can see yourself, I mean, what what more can you ask for?
0: Yeah. So, anyway, moving on from that, we- I guess we have our big story of the week, and it's this whole Taylor Swift... Uh, her open letter to Apple Music um, um. and then these photographers that have kind of responded to it. Um, uh, can you explain to me what Apple Music was doing that Taylor Swift was upset about um, and kind of what she talks about um, on Tumblr? Uh, before you start, basically my understanding is that she's not really standing up to make more money for herself, or at least that's what her camp is claiming, but rather she's looking out for all of the smaller artists, who would basically be screwed by a deal like this? Uh, what her sure. intent, what her intentions are, who knows. Um, but I mean, what's the deal?
1: So several weeks ago at WWDC, one of the bigger announcements was that Apple will be releasing their new music streaming service, and they're calling Apple Music, which also has a twenty four seven radio station, which they're promoting very heavily now, called Beats One. But that's kind of beside the point. So. During that announcement, Apple uh, mentioned that they're going to be giving users three months completely free to stream as much as they want. And Apple hopes that the whole iTunes library will eventually be streamable. So millions and millions of songs you'll be able to stream for, I think it's $10 a month after the free trial. And that sounds great. Everyone's kind of on board. But what we didn't know... And I guess what only artists knew, or maybe only some artists knew, is that Apple was not going to be paying these artists, whether they be big artists like Taylor Swift or uh, small artists like yourself, Nathaniel, if you were a singer. I mean, you have huh. done a bit of singing. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you want to, so if you if you want you want to call to release, that. Well, you try. <laughs> if you wanted to release your music on <laughs> Apple Music, you would not be paid for any of the streams for those three months. So Taylor Swift went on Tumblr, of all places, and she released this blog post, which was very strange. Like a lot of it was praising Apple Music. It almost sounded like a press release. And then towards the end, she basically said that Apple will not be paying artists for the three months of streaming. So because of that, she will not be releasing her new album on Apple Music until the three months has completed. And she did say, like you mentioned, she's not doing it for herself because she's making a ton of money and she can support herself. She's doing it for those struggling indie artists that really are, you know, literally struggling day to day in order to make something of their music and they're not going to be paid for this. Now, what's even stranger, this was, I think Taylor Taylor Swift released that blog post on a Saturday or a Sunday. Definitely wasn't during the week. And several hours later, Eddie Q from Apple, who leads the music department, uh, basically said a bunch of tweets admitting that they were wrong. And they hear Taylor, they hear the indie developers or indie musicians, and they're going to now be paying uh, for the three months. Which is kind of strange that, one, they released this on Twitter, and two, they made a decision so quickly... On a Saturday or Sunday, I don't remember which day it was, obviously these sorts of massive decisions that could cost Apple millions and millions of dollars, they have to be discussed in like a boardroom with a bunch of board members, some very high up employees, and just several hours later, it was all solved. I just found that very strange.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I wonder, didn't Taylor Swift just recently not put her album out on Spotify um, yes, which, or
1: she pulled it or something.
0: Right, which which was probably very smart for her management from like a money standpoint because it showed Apple, look, if we say we're not putting it out, we're not putting it out. You know what I mean? It's not going to do me any harm to not put it out. In fact, the only entity that it's going to do harm to is you, Apple. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, it was cool to see Apple relent from a person standpoint because – without the artists, Apple Music is nothing, right? So it, it, right. it seemed proper that Apple relented. Um, however, um, it, it, it... I don't know. It just, it kind of, it, it seemed very unapple ish right? It made Apple seem very fallible, very um, weak uh, to, to do this. Like, this is not... I feel like you would never have seen this happen with a Steve Jobs-run Apple company. They would have either anticipated this and never made that decision to make Apple music free or or I guess not pay the artists. Uh, which I completely understand. I, I understand are being upset about that because look, Apple, you're gonna promote this new product that by the way you're gonna be making money off of for three months and you're not gonna pay the artists. Like this is the cost of advertising. If you're gonna have free Apple music, you darn well better pay the musicians who are giving the content, right? I mean that you know,
1: to an extent uh, to an extent I agree that it's not uh... I don't know, but I mean, to me, it sounds like something Apple would do. They would go to the musicians and say, you're getting exposure. We're not going to pay you just for the exposure because we're Apple. But at the same time, I mean, they're, they have, I think, almost $200 billion just sitting in the bank, right. in their bank account. I mean, I mean, why not pay the artists? So I'm kind of torn of wh- whether this is something that Apple would do or wouldn't do. But regardless, um, I found it very even stranger that Apple publicly admitted on Twitter that they screwed up, which is very unlike Apple.
0: Yeah, so that was interesting. So anyway, once Apple relented, this is where it started getting interesting in the the photographic community. Once Apple did relent and say, "All right, T Swift, uh, we'll pay you guys," a few concert photographers. Uh, well, initially, one uh, UK concert photographer it was named Jason Sheldon. Uh, Stepped out and wrote, penned an open letter in response to Taylor Swift saying, You know, you're concerned about the artist being paid for usage of their property, um, but here I have your Firefly Entertainment Incorporated, FEI, concert photo authorization form. And I'm just going to read a couple of the points here. These are points two and three. Point number two the photographs may be used on a one time only basis for news or information purposes within the body of related text of the publications entitled blank. So you'd fill in the publication and shall not be. A, duplicated or reprinted in any other publication, or B, republished in the same publication or published in any other edition of such publication without the artist's written consent and or C, exploited in any other manner or means whatsoever, now known or hereafter devised, including but not limited to electronic or quote-unquote new media usage or any commercial exploitation whatsoever other than the web edition of the publication, except as expressly provided in this paragraph 2, the undersigned will not and will not permit others to use any or all photographs in any manner whatsoever without the prior written consent a written approval excuse me of Firefly Entertainment Incorporated that is FEI. So essentially what it's saying is let's say Rolling Stone hires you to shoot one of Taylor Swift's concerts you can use the photos one time within the parameters of Rolling Stone publication. You can't take the photos and put them on your own social media legally. You can't take them and put them on your website and also this whole bit about uh see exploited in any other manner or means whatsoever now known or hereafter devised that means you can't just create a new website and say oh well that wasn't my website at the time so I wasn't putting it on my website this is a different website no 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 the contract is saying look anything that you have now or anything that may come after whether that's a website or some way of you know who knows some uninvented way of sharing images uh, as of yet so that's the point number one and then it was section three of this contract that was section two section three subject to the written consent of the publication As to any specific use, FEI shall have the perpetual worldwide right to use and to authorize others to use any or all the photographs for any non-commercial purpose in all media and formats, including but not limited to publicity and promotion. So basically, we take your images. We can own your images. Uh, You're not going to get paid for them, artist, small artist, little guy who I'm sticking up for and protecting. Now, I guess in Taylor Swift's defense, I'm sure her legal team drafted these contracts. She certainly didn't sit there in the back of her trailer and write them. I get it. But the point is, you came out and you made a big, bold public statement. You better have all your ducks in a row because you're going to be ripped a new one. You're going to be torn open. You're going to be cross-examined from every which way. It's going to happen, plain and simple. So you better have all your ducks in a row. So then after Jason Sheldon put this response out there, another photographer, Joel Goodman, also uh, sort of wrote this open letter, not really so much of an open letter, but sort of tweeted out uh, a newer FEI, Firefly Entertainment Incorporated, uh, concert photo authorization form, this for the 1998 World Tour. And the 1998 World Tour is not something from 1998, or 1998, 1989 World Tour, and that's not from the year 1989. I believe that is her newest album. I don't know if you know, Howard, if you can confirm yep, that. I think so. Okay, yep. I, am, I, I know virtually none of her songs, Um, and not that I don't like her, it's just I don't really have time to listen to music. Um, Anyway, so we have this newer concert photo authorization form, which doesn't get better it actually gets a little bit worse. Uh, I'm just a gonna take I'm just gonna take a couple quotes here, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna try not to quote her out of context or quote the contract out of context. Uh, again, it says photographs taken in accordance with paragraph one, uh, which is an earlier paragraph in the con contract. Number one may be used on a one-time only basis for news or information purposes within the body of related text to the publication entitled blank, just like before. Uh, so we saw that, and then later in the same paragraph, it's still paragraph two. Uh, publication or, or point C exploited commercially or D used in any other manner or means now known or hereafter devised, uh, including but not limited to electronic or new media usage. Except as expressly provided herein, you will not and you will not and will not permit others to use any of the photographs or any uh, in any manner, including on your personal or professional website or social media accounts or pages, without the prior written approval of FEI or the artist and her and/or her authorized agents. So that's being a little bit more specific, saying, look, we're not leaving this up in the air. No personal website, no social media, none of that, no, none of those accounts, none of those pages, nothing associated with it, done, signed, sealed, delivered, forget it, without the approved written consent of Major League Baseball. I'm sorry, uh, approved written consent of FEI. <laughs> and then it goes on to point three, which we just read before, right? The management, LLC, Taylor Nation, LLC, Taylor Swift Productions Incorporated, uh, the perpetual worldwide right to, the, to use the published photographs for any non-commercial purpose in all medias and formats, including when not limited to publicity and promotion on their website and or social media accounts or pages. So again, we can take your photos, we can use them for whatever we want. You, however, can't use them. And then here's where it gets interesting. A couple points later in point five, uh, if you fail to fully comply with this authorization, Authorized agents of FEI, ooh, the F, the FBI or the FEI, I don't know. Wow. Uh, authorized agents of FEI, the artist or the related entities may confiscate and/or destroy the technology or devices that contain the master files of the photographs and other images, including but not limited to cell phones and memory cards, and the photographs and any other images, and eject you from the venue. In addition to any other remedy available to FEI, artist and/or the subjects. That doesn't sound too cool.
1: No, not really. Very strange that they're able to, well, they claim they're able to just basically destroy your camera and the memory card with pretty much no questions asked. Um, very strange. Now, a few quick points. Like you mentioned, Taylor Swift probably has zero idea mm-hmm. of what this contract says. Yeah, um absolutely. So when she wrote this blog post about Apple, she probably wasn't really thinking about the contract or basically anybody but herself and apparently the indie developers Um, I certainly don't agree with this contract but it seems from what I've been hearing from other photographers including Jared Polin is that this sort of contract with a lot of these rules that's in the Taylor Swift one is pretty much standard across the board for big artists and the concerts that they perform in
0: that's fine Um, but it doesn't make it right do you know no, what of I course mean? Not. Maybe, not. maybe this will bring the plight of the concert photographer to a little bit more of a a prominent position. And as far as her not reading the contracts, I hear, I I see a lot of people making comments about that. It doesn't matter. The fact is, she wrote this big pub public note. And if you get up on a pedestal and are going to decry anything, you better be ready to defend your fort and defend it from every angle. Uh, So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if she responds or if she does. I mean, I highly doubt she will. I mean, who cares about the concert photographer? But just from a photographic standpoint, I just thought it was really interesting. It was kind of a neat position. Yeah, like you said, I watched Jared Polin. That's Frono's photo. Uh, I watched his video on it, and he does talk about it. Um, And, you know, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, little debate, and it's kind of taken the web by storm. It seems like it's kind of kept going all week. Um, So that's been fascinating.
1: Yeah, I didn't see Taylor Swift respond. I highly doubt she will. Right. But I did see one of the articles. I mean, there are a ton of these articles. I did see one of them who claimed that her management responded. And to an, I don't, I'm i paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what they said. But they basically said that um, it's there's a lot of misinterpretation within this contract. And they kind of said that the photographer re- retains the rights to the photos that they shoot at the Taylor Swift concerts which kind of goes against what the contract says. So I'm it's it's very confusing and they're not really being straightforward and probably not very honest about this.
0: I know that under US copyright law, when you create something, you by default have the property rights to that. Right. Um yeah. the, at a certain level, is it smart to actually file a a an official copyright? Sure, if you're interested in protecting yourself that way. Yes. And I also know that U. I I think it's U.S. law. Maybe it's just Pennsylvania state law that I'm thinking of, but I'm pretty sure it's U.S. law. For instance, you can't write a contract – uh, that states, for instance, that you, you're going to perform this duty for somebody and they sign away their right to sue you. You can never write a contract that takes somebody's right to sue you away. Um, and, and if somebody signs a contract like that, it's nullified. It doesn't count. They still do have the right to sue you. So I, there's a part of me that wonders, can, can a private party's contract nullify what is sort of it's not really natural law, but naturalized law maybe in the United States. Uh, do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know if there's a part of that where you can say, "Look, Taylor Swift." I mean, you can say all day long and all the rights to these images, but I do. You know, you're not buying them from me. Is this a you know? Unless there's a contract where you're buying them from me, and maybe that's the way that it's spun. I don't know. Um, but you know, I mean, so what is it? If you're sitting there and you you take a shot with your cell phone of Taylor Swift on stage and you post it to Instagram and say, "Photographing Taylor Swift tonight," security is going to come and grab your phone and and I'm sure they're not saying they're actually going to break this stuff it's probably just plausible deniability or or covering their backside if in the altercation uh, with a photographer (laughs) they end up breaking his camera and his phone they can say well hey the contract said that might happen so you know too bad you're SOL
1: yeah, and going back to Jared Poland for a second, he brought up some interesting points when he shoots concerts or he shoots events or something like that. When he reads over that contract, there will be times where he will actually strike things out or make some changes to the contracts, some things that he doesn't agree with, send it back, and if they don't countersign it, then he just won't do the event. So, you know... It's one thing to disagree with a contract, but at the end of the day, if you really don't agree with it, then it might be best to kind of just like move on and not shoot the event or at least, you know, start with making some adjustments to the contract, seeing if the other party will agree to them and kind of bounce back and forth. I mean, any contract, nothing's set in stone. You can always make changes or request changes and, you know, who knows, it might work in your favor.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. So, I mean, it was was just an interesting story. And like I said, it seemed to keep going all week long. Um, So, we had to talk about it. And it might be a little bit of legal mumbo jumbo. But, I mean, I don't know. How would you feel about it if, you know, something that you created could just be taken and used and and without your consent and all of that? I mean, I guess there's a lot of that with Facebook and Instagram. Um, But, yeah. I was is.
1: actually almost in that position when I worked for Apple several years ago, I was still doing my Adobe stuff. And apparently in one of the contracts that I signed when, when I joined Apple, it says anything you create while as an Apple employee, Apple can take over. So there was a point where I was brought into my manager's office when they found out about my my YouTube stuff, which by the way, I was very clear when I joined Apple that I do this YouTube Photoshop tutorials on the side. Um, They brought me into the manager's office and said, listen, we found out about your stuff, which again, wasn't a secret. "um, And you have two choices, either leave Apple or stop your Photoshop tutorials. And actually, um, you probably remember this situation. We we spoke very clearly about this way back in the day, Um, but they showed me very clear in this contract. it was buried a bunch, a bunch of papers that any application or any anything that you create, Apple can take over and they have. I know they have because I've had a friend of mine who created an application on the side as an Apple employee, and they literally took over the application and they didn't give him a single cent
0: yeah at uh, that, that, that. Yeah, it's uh, so stupid. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. But anyway, that about wraps it up for the week, as far as news is concerned. We're ready to jump into the quick six of the week. Uh, so let's just knock it off right off the bat. Maybe this this Go for it. this Weegeeks podcast will be not quite an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> 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 All right, so quick six. This is basically it's a this or that question that I asked Howard. Uh, next week he'll ask me six questions. Uh, Howard, do you prefer to fly or drive? And this goes oh, for. Hate- this goes for if you're going to the grocery store, which obviously you would drive, but like if you were going from Los Angeles to Orlando, Florida.
1: Here's the thing. I, I'm not a big fan of flying because I'm, I don't know if it's because I'm afraid of heights or I'm just one of those people who thinks, you know, there's a one in 700,000 chance that this plane could go down. I might be at one 700,000. But at the same time, I understand that, if I need to go to a conference in Las Vegas or I have to go into Los Angeles for work, or whatever it might be, I'm not gonna drive. That's just stupid. So I'm gonna hop on a plane and deal with my anxiety and just fly. So, I mean, it depends on, of course, if I'm going to the grocery store or if when I was living in Flo- Miami, if I was going to Orlando, I would just drive because it's like a four hour drive. Um, but anything cross country, I, you know, flying. Gotcha. I really didn't answer the question, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Most used tool in Photoshop.
1: Ooh, most used tool in—I mean, other than the move tool, probably. <laughs> um, I do use layer styles quite a bit because I do a lot of designing and like fancy work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I don't even know. I mean, yeah, let's go with layer styles. Layer
0: style. All right. So the bevel and emboss, maybe. Oh God, no. <laughs> Mac or PC, and why?
1: I have to go with Mac. I've been using Mac for maybe about ten years now. I just find I have nothing against PCs. I think they're fantastic for gaming, and I'm I'm probably gonna get one in the future specifically for gaming. I just find that with the graphic stuff that I do and the video editing, that everything is just very smooth and for the most part worry-free. I don't have to worry about crashing or anything like that. Um, for my work, Mac. If I was a PC, if I was a gamer, definitely PC. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, if you had,
0: if you could recommend to the good people out there a favorite YouTuber to follow for entertainment value, like somebody who's not educational or newsy, like somebody who you enjoy following strictly for the entertainment value, who? Ooh. If you had to, if you had to pull somebody off the top of your head,
1: uh, I don't watch. My, I mean, this sounds crazy because I work for a YouTube network at the moment, and I'm a YouTuber. I don't watch very many youtube videos um you're familiar with brizzy voices right yes yeah she does a lot of really very high quality very good uh, voice impersonations or voice impressions i would maybe her um off the top of my i mean my favorite youtube probably is vsauce who does incredible educational science videos i love him um but he's wouldn't really fit into entertainment
0: right, more infotainment i guess Yeah. Uh, Do you prefer recording home alone or teaching in front of large groups?
1: Definitely home alone. I'm actually going to be teaching in front of groups twice in the coming months. It's freaking me out just thinking about it, but I prefer to be alone like the old man that I am.
0: Gotcha. (laughs) Uh, Working in the cloud or working locally?
1: I would say locally for the sense of security, but... I, I love the cloud that everything syncs so I can go to another computer, just log in and everything's there, especially with like Creative Sync right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would say local. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I guess at one point we got along with only local and it was still fine, uh, yeah, so, that's true. so we could go back if need be. Cool. That's it. Quick six. Done.
1: Sweet. I will I will prepare your questions for next week.
0: Cool. So So to
1: finish off we have the winners and the losers of the week. Now my actually winner, I didn't even um, plan this, my winner was Taylor Swift specifically for her outcry about not being paid and standing up for indie musicians and people who are struggling to get by because you know, I've been in that situation, you've been in that situation and our voices are certainly not heard so it's nice to see someone like Taylor Swift standing up. Now of course looking at the other side of things from the photography standpoint, that definitely doesn't fit in the winner of the week, but for the winner, definitely Taylor Swift for standing up for indie musicians.
0: Yeah, interesting. Somebody like you who is who would refer to himself as somewhat of an Apple fanboy, correct? To, I would say so. To take the stance where, hey, Apple, maybe you're not quite right here. Rather interesting. I, I, I must say, I
1: try to admit when Apple screws up, and they have <laughs> screwed up quite a bit in the in, especially since Steve Jobs passed away. And um, like I tweeted. During While this was happening, it's very rare. I thought hell froze over. It's very rare to see Apple publicly admit that they screwed up. It doesn't happen very often.
0: Yeah, wow, yeah. Uh, All right, so my winner of the week is this woman, Komal Ahmad, who in 2011 ran into this homeless war vet who had been over in Iraq, fallen on hard times. He asked her for money. She said, hey, you know what? Why don't you come and have lunch with me? And they sat and talked and all of this. He told her her story. Um, and basically, it, 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 it got to her so much that she started this sort of food share program, this program at UC Berkeley uh, that allowed the school's dining halls to donate all the excess food to local homeless shelters. And then she got the program to expand from UC Berkeley uh, to 140 additional college campuses across the country uh, in about three years. Now, she's she actually has an app, I believe it's it's called, I forget what it's called, Uh, and I probably should have had this written in my notes, uh, but I don't. Um, But she has an app, and she's redeveloping the app, which will allow essentially for on-demand delivery uh, to make it very, very easy for large events, large Uh, colleges, schools, institutions to take their additional food and donate it to these homeless shelters. Um, One of the uh, the difficult things in America, for instance, is the idea that once food goes past its expiration date, nobody wants to touch it. You can't sell it. Blah, 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 blah. But there is, uh, companies are covered, there's a law, I forget what the law is called, again, probably should have put this in a note, uh, but basically it covers a company who, if, if you donate something like a perishable good in good faith and somebody gets sick and or maybe even dies taking it and getting some who knows what from it, the company is not held liable for something like that because in good faith they did not knowingly donate bad perishable goods, they were actually trying to help. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, this, this, uh, this app is essentially gonna really streamline the whole process and take all of this excess food and get it to people who can actually use it and not throw it out. I mean she says uh, – one of one of the interesting things I noticed in this article was she says, imagine a football stadium filled to its brim. That's how much food goes wasted every single day across America. That's a huge amount of food that you could do a huge amount of good with. Uh, so to see somebody doing that is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love this because as you know, there are unfortunately way too many homeless um, – people in the United States and Canada and other countries Um, and it's very unfortunate and a lot of them die because they don't have food and they freeze to death and all all these sorts of things Um, and I've heard way too often that restaurants and fast food chains at the end of the day they just take all the food that they didn't sell or they didn't whatever and they just dump it in the dumpsters and there have been homeless people who you know scourged these dumpsters. And first of all, the food is being contaminated because it's in a dumpster. And some of them have even gotten arrested for stealing, which is very strange because it's in a dumpster. But it's so nice that there's an app like this or a service like this that allows these restaurants or schools or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. to take all their food and deliver it to homeless shelters or wherever it might be.
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. That was pretty neat. Interesting.
1: So what's your loser of the week? So my loser of the week is actually a Vine star. I don't know if you heard about this news. Oh, I did. Yeah. Viners, these these content creators who create these six-second videos on Vine, obviously they ha- ha- only have six seconds to make an impact. And there's been a history of Vine stars who have millions and millions of fans for some reason. Um, they've gotten their, themselves into huge trouble because they a lot of their... Uh, A lot of their fame comes from pranking people in public and vandalizing businesses and making an absolute fool of themselves because they only again they only have six seconds to make an impact and some people find this garbage funny i don't but you know some people do um so many of these vine stars have been arrested and whatever it might be so the latest news is this vine star who has like four million followers or something like that his name is carter reynolds he a, a video was leaked of him with his... Uh-oh,
0: Carter. Video video mm-hmm. leaked is never a good catchphrase when dealing with anything online. <laughs> Have you ever seen a good video leaked? When, it, when TMZ no. is like, video leak, guy helps woman who's having difficulty getting out of her car. You never see that.
1: Never. <laughs> so he had a video leaked. This was a personal video of him and his now ex-girlfriend, who, by the way, is underage. And in this video, Cardle... Carter takes his pants off exposes his genitals to not just his ex-girlfriend but also the camera and he is encouraging sexual actions um, the, the girl the girlfriend didn't actually do anything but he was you know egging her on to do anything do something um, first of all even though, he nothing, at least on the video, was done. I believe, according to U.S. law, that is statutory rape because she was underage, whether she wanted it or not, whether she was drunk or sober. It's still against the law. And this kid, first of all, you don't do anything. You don't do something like that, even if it's in in, in private. Just don't do it. Uh, Second quick, of all, quick
0: question was he underage yeah. at the time as well or no?
1: I don't think so, because they only only kept mentioning that she was underage. Gotcha, okay. But I don't know. I don't know exactly how old he is. Um, Regardless, it's not a very smart thing to do. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, so, yeah, right. No, I agree.
1: Um, I don't know what kind of legal action is being taken against this or what kind of investigation, um, but there's a very good chance he will be labeled as a sex offender for potentially the rest of his life. So, uh, he's an idiot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to the story. That's just kind of, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I have nothing to add. Uh, anyway, yeah. can I rant? Go can for I, it. Can it's I rant for a minute? I am, my loser of the week is this Confederate flag nonsense. I cannot express to you how stupid, how ill-educated, which I've which I've seen coming for years. Quick side note, I've never been a fan of the U.S. government school system because I feel like they're churning out a bunch of idiots. And yes, for the most part, I know I'm pointing at a lot of the kids who are listening to this podcast, but at least you guys seem to be doing things to go out there and try to learn some stuff on your own. We have an awful education system in the United States of America, and I would say across much of the globe, no matter how much you want to revel in the pride of your public school system, this seems to yep. be a problem we're having all over the place. the the, the, these people getting behind this idea that the Confederate flag is a symbol of racism or a show of support of slavery. Let me just outline a couple things and hopefully try to explain this. And maybe I should preface this by saying I'm not a supporter of racism or slavery, but I'm also not so stupid and naive as to think that you don't notice the color of somebody else's skin or to notice that people of different ethnic backgrounds tend to behave differently. That's fact. If you want to deny that in the name of political correctness, you do that. I choose to be a realist here. Whether or not I'm an enemy to progressiveness or whatever, you can call it what you want. I think you're brainwashed. Number one, The Confederacy of the United States of America, or I guess that's kind of an oxymoron, the Confederacy at the time of the Civil War, had many different flags. In fact, there were three flags that I'm aware of that represented the Confederacy as a whole. This flag was not one of them. This was a flag they carried into battle. That's number one. That knocks out the whole comparison to the the Nazi flag. We're comparing apples and oranges. Not even close to the same thing. The Nazi flag and the swastika were symbolic of an entire regime that was interested in ethnic purges and murdering the Jews and the atrocities committed by that entire Third Reich. It's apples and oranges. Both uh, slavery is horrible. Don't get me wrong. Number two, dovetailing with the fact that slavery is horrible, the Civil War was not about slavery. Contrary to popular opinion, it was labeled the War of Northern Aggression. The South seceded from the North over economic issues and who controlled, you know, who got to control most of the import and export of the nation at the time. Remember, the South was producing all this cotton. This is why they had all these slaves, primarily, was all these plantations and the cotton and the produce that they were exporting. They were interested in controlling the stuff and the North said no. So the South seceded and the North invaded the South. The South objected to a whole, a, a wide variety of states' right issues. Not least of which, uh, I should mention, slavery was not one of them. Uh, and and this is further corroborated by the fact that many Northerners owned slaves. In fact, of the first ten presidents, eight owned slaves, and six of them owned slaves while they were the president. That's Washington D.C. These are Northerners. This isn't some guy from Mobile, Alabama, coming up and saying, "Hey, you know what? There's uh, let's bring my slaves up north." In fact, the one of the most famous generals of the of the union army that marched to the sea richard or william richard sherman william sherman he was a slave owner in fact many union generals throughout the war had slaves on their staff who helped them so should we abolish the U.S. flag? Get rid of the Constitution? Rip, you know, uh, melt the Liberty Bell? Burn down the, the Indep- Independence Hall? Uh, do do I, Does that make slavery right? Absolutely not. But to bury our heads in the sand and pretend like this was not an issue is absolutely asinine. This is not what the war was about. And number three, this is only three of five different points I have here on my rant. I've written these down so I can keep them. So I can bring the alacrity and the intensity while still maintaining some level of focus. The Civil War only became about slavery near the close of the war when Abraham Lincoln, the then president, signed what's called the Emancipation Proclamation. And he did that Not because he necessarily cared about slaves. Man, I guess we don't know Lincoln's actual motive, and I hope that he cared about slaves. But the real reason he signed the Emancipation Proclamation was because the English and the French were getting ready to ally themselves with the Confederacy. And Lincoln needed to sway public opinion at home for the UK and for France that, Hey, look, if you join with the Confederates, you're going to be supporting the side of the war that is more in favor of slavery. And therefore, France and England dropped out. Now, why, you ask, would the French be interested in joining with the Confederacy instead of with the Union to abolish slavery? Well, France had a huge, huge textile industry. And who produced the cotton? The South produced the cotton. But France also knew that the North had told them that if they joined with the South, then that would be an act of war. So France couldn't join with the South without getting England to come on board with them. So they needed England and France together. And all the higher-ups in England, well, not all of them, but most of the higher-ups in England sympathized with not the Union, but the Confederacy. All right, so that's point number three, all right? Uh, uh, Point number four, France and England historically have traded way more in the slave trade. They've been way more involved in the slave trade. We don't condemn the Union Jack or the French flag. In fact, pass the French cuisine over here. It's delicious. I want it, all right? I mean, that's a little bit of a, you know, we can't justify our actions by other people's, but it's an interesting side note. Um, You know, and and like I said, the the Confederate battle flag was just that. It was a battle flag, not a flag, you know, of a particular ideology like that Nazi flag. So all these companies banding together, preventing the sale of this item, or refusing to sell it in the face of ridiculous public opinion is crazy. I saw an article, Apple's pulled a bunch of games that have the Confederate flag, in them. What, are we not allowed to to play Wolfenstein because the swastika is all over the place? You can't tell me the swastika is not worse than that flag. You, I, I don't care what you say. You can't tell me that it's worse, do I? I don't, have, I don't own a Confederate flag. I don't have a love affair with the flag. It's more about the principle. It's 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 a bunch of false information and a bunch of people who are jumping on board. Uh, you know, it's not okay. If, if these Confederate flag apps were a bunch of you know white supremacy games or you know app for you know uh, 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 Tinder for white people, you know, or specifically for like neo Nazis or something, I get it. I totally understand it. Rip it down, fine, I, I, I understand that. But how far are we gonna bury our head in the sand of political correctness and this faux outrage? That we're, you know, so outraged that this happened. You know, like, grow up, you know, educate yourself, learn, like, look into this stuff. Stop jumping onto every freaking bandwagon. If you believe that the Confederate battle flag represents racism or slavery in the least, you're just another snowflake in the avalanche of misconception and total ignorance of history. Like, there's just no ands, ifs, or buts about it. That's fact. That's history. Pick up a book and read it. And that's the end of my rant. Because that's ridiculous. I I hate. I cannot tell you how much I hate when this stuff happens. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Because it's so indicative of where we're going. We've got a bunch of people who can't handle the truth, who aren't interested in the truth, who are so swayed by the story the media comes out with. And then when somebody sits back and says, hey, but what about this? Oh, you're a big you're a racist no 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 stop like stop stop with the name calling you know I, i don't do that to you so stop you know and 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 should we be you know in any way supporting slavery or any of that absolutely not do i do i see it as a problem if we just said look hey guys uh we don't really like the confederate battle flag it would be super cool if you just stopped using it fine go for it all day long but, you know, there's some symbolic meaning uh, behind the flag for the South. They like to fly it. If you've ever been down South, there are a lot of people who still insist that the South should have never surrendered and they shouldn't have lost the war. There's something there. And these aren't people who are down there owning slaves nowadays. There's a, there's a level of Southern pride. And this flag is saying, look, from from, a, from, from my standpoint – uh, the, the Confederacy, they stood up for something. They fought for something that I thought was prestigious. There were a lot of black men in the military. In fact, I believe you were allowed to uh, either serve in the military or vote when you were black, Asian, Hispanic, anything in the South much, much earlier on than you were allowed to up North. And there, and there were whole brigades of black folks in the South who fought proudly. In fact, there's still to this day historic chapters of African-Americans who, who stand up for the rights of, of, or not really stand up for the rights, but stand up sort of for the cause of the Confederacy, and uh, you know raise awareness whenever there's this kind of misplaced outrage when things like this happen. So I don't know. It just the idea of it frustrates the living daylights out of me. It could be with a Confederate flag today. It could be an avocado with a a sad face emoji tomorrow. It's not even the object. It's the ignorance. It's the it's the blind leading the blind. And both are falling into a ditch kind of thing where you've got, you know, the media saying this and, you know, Johnny hipster jumping in and saying, yup, 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 that's it. You know, it's if you don't think it's racist, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, you you, I mean, not to be an idiot, but you really kind of need to learn some history.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, before I respond, I think after this podcast, you need to record this as a standalone video and put it on your YouTube channel because I think it would do incredibly well because I do think a lot of people are completely unaware of the history. I mean, I'm going to admit I have no idea what the history – maybe because I'm Canadian, so I didn't really learn U.S. history. I have zero idea. That's why I haven't jumped into this whole issue. But I do have a few things. First of all, there's so much – there's so much going around about this flag, which again, I don't really know the history behind it. Yeah. A flag, no matter what is on the flag, does not make somebody racist. So if the flag was there or not, the, I don't remember his name, but this kid would have killed people regardless. And it's it's a tragedy that that happened, but you can't blame this on a flag. You just can't. Right. Um, and it's kind of pulling away from the actual issue, which is obviously this guy was not mentally stable. Something was wrong with this guy or this kid or whatever he is to make him want to kill pe- uh, specifically black people in a church of all places. Right. I mean, well, and and to, your, d-
0: to your point, to interrupt you, um, yep. doesn't it detract from the real racial divide in the country? I mean, if we really want to correct the problem, why are we chasing these squirrels down a rat hole? that are going to end up taking us nowhere.
1: Right, yeah. Um, it, it's, I mean, we're not, we're not focusing on the real issues here. Whether the issue is guns, mental illness, or whatever it might be, something needs to be done. And every single politician, whether it's Obama on the left side or Romney on the right side, they all say this is a tragedy and something needs to be done and something will be done. They say this after every single mass shooting. And nothing has been done.
0: Right. I mean, let's talk about the psycho drugs that all these people are on uh, before they go yeah. off on these killing rampages, for instance.
1: Yeah. I mean, wouldn't,
0: wouldn't that be a starting point?
1: Yeah. And, I mean, there's clearly mental issues going on with these people. Um, and none of that is, is. N- I mean, nothing's being done about it. I mean... Mental institutions are not a thing anymore. People just keep putting them on like ADHD medication and whatever it might be because that'll apparently solve all their problems. But in some cases, it actually makes it worse. But anyways, the, the point of my response is I don't really know enough to respond, but I do know that the the real issues are not being focused on and they really should be.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's what it comes down to. And And, and you know, so today... Eight people, nine people. How many people were killed? uh, You know that have been destroyed by this kid, uh, and not to mention this kid's family. You know, what about that side of it? Do you know what I mean? How 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 would you feel if that if your child went and did something like that?
1: I can't even imagine. That's
0: freaking horrible. And and then all the other families that were affected, whose loved ones were killed in that church, who by the way welcomed him with open arms, said, "Come on in." And then if you hear, if you watch the video of the arraignment, they're standing there saying, you know, like, "We forgive you," um, and all of that. And it's just like it breaks your heart watching it, because it's like these people—they seem like they are genuinely good people. They seem like Mm -hmm. they're really cool people. And and to, to have an idiot, you know, with an agenda walk in and start blowing people away. Even if he had a point, which he didn't, but even if he had a point, it's not his place to go and behave like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, no private citizen has the right to go and execute another human being except in the case of immediate self-defense. Plain and simple. That's it. Someone can rape your daughter and you don't have a right to like a day later or a month later track them down and kill them. If you walk in on it, eh, I'm kind of – I don't know. (laughs) But the the, the point is, you know, like it's just – Legally and I would say morally, you're not allowed to do something like that. Um, so it's horrible. It's terrible. And again, and to, in, a,
1: in a church of all places, it's just right? Gross. The one
0: place that you should be able to feel right. The one place that you should be able to feel like nothing like that would happen. Uh, it's it's awful. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. But it's 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 terrible to see something like this taking uh, spotlight away from the real issue. I mean, we have so many people yeah. talking about the flag, the flag, the flag. Okay, uh, but this is not the issue. You know, and like I heard somebody saying that, uh, you know, it's it's the KKK's flag. You know, it's the flag that represents the KKK. No, no, no. See, you're confusing, you're confusing the order of things. If the KKK took the Confederate flag, the KKK took the Confederate flag and assigned it to something awful. the The Confederate flag does not stand for the KKK. Rather, the KKK stands under the Confederate flag. It's a totally different thing. I mean, if... if, Well, just just to quickly link it to something else, you know, if terrorists decided to exclusively use Apple computers and their trademark was made by Apple or something, would we boycott Apple because it's what terrorists love? No, that's not the ordering.
1: Let's assume just for a moment, hypothetically speaking, if this flag did represent racism, which it doesn't sound like it does, because I don't know the history. But let's assume it does. Um, It's kind of disturbing that it takes a mass shooting to actually bring bring this issue up when we should have been talking about it civilly for the last several years. I mean, if last several last 150 years. (laughs) Exactly. I was going to say, if it does represent racism, then it should have been a discussion that's been ongoing since we've wanted to stop racism, right? Right.
0: Yeah, I agree. So
1: anyways. Oh, yeah. So what did I say? That about got being, dark very quickly. What did I
0: say about being an old curmudgeon at the beginning? Of this? <laughs> oh, because I could swear I'm turning into an old man, angrier and angrier by the day. <laughs> but there still are good days. <laughs> so.
1: so that will do it for our big episode 20 of the We Geeks podcast. The big two o. is. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Iceflow Studios. Nathaniel is at TutVid. Follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, leave us reviews if you love our show. Yes. If you haven't left by now, head over to Patreon.com slash WeGeeks and give us a bit of support.
0: And what's the word of the week?
1: The word of the week would be, let's say, swift.
0: Swift. That's Hashtag a good word. swift. That's a good word of the week. Swift. And that'll just about wrap it up, guys. If you listen this long, like Howard said, thanks for sticking around. And we'll see you later. We'll see you next week.